Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to learn who they are, what they do, and why they do it. My guest today is Jeremy Fine. Welcome, Jeremy. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for agreeing to show up uh, <laughs> after talking to me initially, still agreeing, and then after I ghosted you, I'm sorry, and then showed up for a third time. So definitely a glutton for punishment. I want to start, so, so you have, um, and I, I never, like, podcasting brain lockup, do we say you have or you had a show once mm. we pause? Uh, I'm going to say you have a podcast uh, called Nothing Makes Perfect, which I totally want to, like, like, I have the urge to dig into the title, but what I really want to start with is you paused Mm, starting a little like you stopped, but I'm going to say paused. You paused after doing 25 episodes, and quite frankly, to be honest, they're they're really high quality. And I really liked the way like some of it is ask me anything. Some of it is host on mic where you're unpacking your thoughts. Some of it is um, like good guests, not just like I collected seven friends, but like really people that had something to talk about related to what you were thinking. Um, so it wasn't just like yeah, I did a show. It was like, you did a really good job and you did 25 episodes and then you did the thing that almost nobody does, which is you paused on purpose as opposed to just like <laughs> ghosting us all, right? Um, so in your last episode, is uh, number 25 from July of 2023, so like nine months ago, Sounds right. you, you very intentionally paused and I'm fascinated by how people that I've been talking to in this show, they tend to like triangulate on things. They, they often have like a thing they're really passionate about. And then they have like a second thing that they're also passionate about. So like, Hey, classic Venn diagram, I'm in the middle, but then they do something else. And sometimes it goes on for a long time, but I feel like podcasting for you was like, what, what, <laughs> what's up with that? You know? Um, and I'm wondering like, what made you think that would be interesting for you? Like why start that? And then another question, like, why stop that? Like, it seemed like it was a really enjoyable thing. Did you accomplish your mission or why? What's going on with that perspective from over there? Cool question. Um, so I think I first started it with a pretty good awareness of a few things. One, there are a billion podcasts and we don't need more of them. <laughs> hey, um, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> And so honestly, like 2020, right? Probably more podcasts than ever get started. Uh, I was not one of them. Mm. I sat back for a little while after that. And it was, you know, it's the kind of thought that comes up every once in a while. Like, should yeah. I join TikTok? Should I start a podcast? You know, you're working for yourself <laughs> and everyone seems to be doing all this stuff. And you're like, all right, what, what are they doing over there? And so I didn't want to just start one for the sake of it. Um, full transparency i get really nervous when there's a record button on um i've always had performance anxiety uh i i went to circus school performed on stage had panic attacks it was horrible um so it's it wasn't an easy i didn't take it lightly let's say but what i love about my work is conversation like as a coach i think of myself as a coach in the sense that i'm a communicator i listen and I talk, and those are kind of the tools that I have to work with clients. And sure, there's like programming and video review and stuff like that, but my actual work feels like conversation. And that's the part that's hardest to share. 
because I don't really yeah, want to be recording my coaching calls. <laughs> they're much better when they're not recorded, right? They're better for the client, which is what matters. And so podcasting felt like a way that I could maybe bridge a gap between the actual work that I do and like, let's call it content creation, hmm. right? Like you go to write a caption on Instagram and it's just so divorced from the work that I'm doing on a regular basis mm. with clients. So that's why I started it. That was mm. half of my answer. How's that for a really short half answer? <laughs> Dude, that's really good. That was like under two minutes. You <laughs> yes. answered quicker than I asked. Well, you're only halfway, so keep going. So why did I stop this? Here I have to kind of psychoanalyze myself a little bit, if that's okay. <laughs> that's um, what I'm aiming for. <laughs> <laughs> I... I have a few strengths that brought that I brought with me to podcasting um, that I think a lot of other people struggle with. And then we can get into the other side of the equation. Um, but I think I'm pretty good at when I decide something is meaningful to me, sticking with it consistently. Hmm. So yeah, almost to a fault, right? It can become a weakness as soon as I feel like I have to stick to it and I don't realize that it's not important anymore. Um, but I decided when I first started, I'm going to make at least 10 episodes and I'm going to, uh, release them every other week hmm. on the same day of the week, every other Monday, there's another episode and I can stick with that and whatever it takes, I'll do that. And so a lot of people warned me about like, you want to create a backlog, it'll get harder. You'll have to run, you'll run out of ideas. And how do you find another guest and all these challenges? And I was like, I'm going to make at least 10 and they're going to come out every other week. Brilliant, so, by the way. That's bleeping brilliant. Thank you. It uh, it was maybe out of necessity. Like I didn't know how to do it if not with specific guidelines for myself. Maybe more like you're smart enough to know yourself. This is like, oh, I'm the kind of person who could really go all in on this. And yeah, the every other week, by the way, is magic. Everybody starts. I've, I've, I've done a few and I've talked to thousands of people and everybody does weekly. And I'm just like, you might want to think about every other week. <laughs> like, like, anyway, keep going. So the yeah. goal was 10 every other week, which is like 21 weeks. I'm like, oh, that's like three or four months. Like you can do a really cool project in three or four months. Yeah. Sorry. So that's what I gave myself. And I figured if I can do 10, I will have tested the idea for myself. If I can do a hundred, then I will have gotten good at it, right? Like there's no way I'll do a hundred episodes and not have some sort of different like skill set, comfort level, interest, <laughs> right. right? Something will have changed if I can get to a hundred. And so I did 10 and I was like, huh, there's some traction. People are giving me feedback on it. Um, people are like asking to be on it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. there, there's something there. And so I decided to keep going. <laughs> And I was like, all right, well, it comes out every other Monday. And I kept going through 25. I stopped because looking back, I then had this sample size. And I was starting to realize the things that I really enjoyed about it and some of the things I didn't enjoy as much about it. And then what other people seemed to respond mm. to. And I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could keep up my need to put out episodes every other week. And my kind of like zoomed out thoughtfulness around amplifying the things I liked about it. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I needed time to figure out how do I turn up the dial on the things that work really well about it and let go of the rest. And frankly, 
I didn't put a deadline on that, right? So did I stop? Did I pause? I was like, I'm, you know, I went in black and white. I'm going to do it every other week. And I came out black and white. I'm going to stop for now. And I'm not going to come back until I feel like I have that kind of the idea I'm looking for captured. Hmm. What's the, I want to say, what's the hole or what's the, what's the shape of the thing that is not yet like, in other words, if it's still in your mind, I mean, aside from the fact that I reached out and said, hey, you want to talk about podcasting? That, that brings it up. But it seems like it's coming up for you in coaching, in climbing. It's coming up in other things that you're doing. What What is the thing about it that keeps pulling you back? Like you said, there's things that you really liked about it that you want to amplify. What is that? What's that shape of that thing? I like, <laughs> I'm obsessed with movement. So that's kind of the obvious piece. Um I am really interested in working through ideas. So what I find really boring about some podcasts is, hey, today we have someone who wrote a book. They're going to tell us how great the book is and where you can buy it. <laughs> they call it the book junket. Yes. Yeah, yes. right. I, get, and I so actually then, get email requests. Like every week I get people email me about that. I'm like, no, let me, sell, let me tell you where to stuff that. <laughs> it's just... I have no problem with people promoting books, right? I I think that people should write good books and people should share those books. But hosting that podcast sounds so boring to me, right? And frankly, <laughs> right. like with AI, we probably we're probably going to have better hosts for that type of thing than than A people thing soon with enough. Infinite patience, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so not interested in that. Rather, I like working through ideas in real time with real people who are also actually interested in those ideas. And so what I'm coming to is the format of, so like you mentioned, I had uh, some episodes with guests and I would kind of get in, it's kind of like mover's mindset, right? Like get to know this person and how they approach their practice. And then I would have some on my own where I would take like a bite-sized idea and be like, I'm just going to do a 10 or 15 minute episode of me thinking through or sharing this idea I've been kind of playing with. And what I want is for the idea to drive the episode. So I have some sort of question or thought experiment or something that drives the episode. And then I think and talk in the way that serves that idea. And I interview someone or multiple people Mm -hmm. that have something to share on that idea. And it's not just, hey, here's the James episode where James talks about himself. It's here's this idea episode and I do a good job of creating interesting dialogue around that idea. Hmm. That's an interesting, I mean that in a good way, that's an interesting, but also more difficult. That's an interesting way to um, imagine, imagineer, trying to find ways to use that word because it's cool. Um, An interesting way to design the individual episodes, but yeah, definitely. You don't want to do that every week. Um, exactly. <laughs> that would be hard to find that special guest every week. Uh, sometimes I think I want to start an old school email list, like the old kind of mailing list where you had to like email it to get on the list and you could email it to change your password. It's like totally email thing, not based on MailChimp or something. And it just mm-hmm. does text email. I want to start one of those that's broadcast only. And I want to just jam all the hundreds of people in it so I can just mail everybody and say like, hey, who knows anything about this topic and who wants to talk about this or who would you want to hear talking about that? Because I feel like you're describing what, what you're describing is an insane amount of, well, okay. A sane, but really large amount of work. Yep. Um, but it's good work. 
you know, it's like if you're, if one listening is motivated to do something like that, that creates a huge amount of good in the world. Like I went to all this trouble and here's the 15 minutes that I feel is the thing that I wish I could have found when I wanted to know about that. Totally. Yeah. The word that I come back to in my mind is ambitious. I, when I started it, I, I held myself to this every other week standard and I kept hoping that as I got more comfortable recording and editing and all the different aspects of it, I would be able to like turn up the ambition dial. So I'd have a conversation with someone and it would be like an hour long, really enlightening, really energizing. And we'd go into this interesting topic and then I'd come away from it and be like, man, but someday I could do X, Y, or Z with that type of episode. Mm-hmm. And then it just, the someday thought kept coming up until I was like, okay, well, if I step back, can I come back at some point with one more ambitious episode and let go of the every other week idea? And then if so, can I do that again? And, you know, maybe it's one episode a year or whatever, but I want to test out the the ambitious idea after having tested out the frequent, more traditional idea. What are your clients, the people that you work with, what do they think of, you know, the fact that you're also a podcaster? Like, <laughs> if they found out you were a fisherman, they'd be like, yeah, whatever. Like, okay. But do they... Have a, uh, special questions around conversation or like, oh, I've thought about doing that too. Or I don't think any of my clients would call me a podcaster, first of all. And I don't think I'd call myself a podcaster. I think of myself as a coach who made some podcast episodes. Um, I definitely don't feel comfortable with that label as of right now in this moment. Um, but I did get some interesting conversations going with clients because, like I said, I'm I have the skill set of coaching conversation and I didn't have the skill set of podcasting conversations. Hmm. So predictably my clients have the best insight into the ideas that I find interesting. Right. So we would be able to continue on a conversation in a way that probably they are the only ones who really get Hmm. where if I were a a better podcaster, maybe everyone would be able to get in that way. Um, yeah. So it did lead to some interesting conversations, but I think if any of my clients listen to this, they'll probably laugh at your question because you called me a podcaster. <laughs> Happy to be the butt of all jokes. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I also want to ask now, um, but I think I know the answer to this, but let's just put it in here for real. How much of what you do when you're coaching um, is just scratching your own itch. It's a terrible metaphor, but like I, I can't not, you know, like the people who know me would be like, oh, I don't know how Craig would ever stop podcasting. It's just, it's just crazy like that. Um, and that's not the case for you in podcasting, but it sounds like it's the case for you. Like, how would you ever stop coaching? This doesn't make any sense. How Jeremy coaching DNA. Um, so do you agree with that assessment? He's nodding along. Uh, and, and maybe like what, specifically about coaching i mean you've talked a little bit about some of the ideas that you have around movement and conversation but like what is it specifically about coaching that's yeah i i do think there are elements of coaching that are like truly parts of my identity as of right now and i don't know whether they already were before i became a coach or whether just lots and lots of coaching has made it that way i think when people 
picture coaching, it might seem like writing workout programs, exercising a lot. Um, and hopefully like maybe people would imagine, you know, considering research and, and stuff like that. Um, but for me, it really does come back to conversation, listening, tinkering with ideas. And that really feels like, you know, even if I started to work in construction or something, if I just totally pivoted, <laughs> that would still be a part of me. Um, so I really do feel like I have that kind of need or <laughs> the itch for talking about uh, movement and how people are approaching it and what obstacles they're facing and how to work through obstacles and around obstacles, um, how to do all that with compassion for ourselves and basically like break all the traditional ideas around uh, fitness and instruction um, and kind of flip it around. So yes, I need to coach. <laughs> That's my short answer. <laughs> TLDR. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is probably a great spot to go. Uh, if people are going, dude, who is this guy? I want to reach out to Jeremy. Uh, where can they find more information about you? Or maybe how can they reach out to you if they're interested? Not that we, you said like, please not a thousand people. It's okay. There aren't that many listeners, but where do they go? Yeah. Um, if people want to like get to know me without me knowing that they're getting to know me, <laughs> I think Instagram <laughs> is a good place to do that. Um, at Jeremy Fine, my, my full name is my handle. And if people want to reach out and have a conversation, they can certainly send me a message there, but also email uh, Jeremy at finemovement.com. I'd be happy to hear about what people are, are working on or what was interesting <laughs> about me rambling <laughs> about not being a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously I'll put links to everything inside the episodes notes. I, I noticed that you mentioned, uh, I, I forget what episode, somewhere in the middle, you mentioned using, um, leave me a voicemail. There's a technology mm. we can put in web browsers. I'm kind of curious. Do you feel like you get different? Uh, I'm, I'm curious about the modes of communication that people choose based on how they're engaged with you. So it sounds like your clients either want to be in person or want to zoom, I'm guessing. And it sounds like the people who are, were reacting to the podcast probably weren't like looking you up and arranging zoom calls. They, they were more, more like leaving you a voicemail message or were they veering over and sending you an Instagram direct message. Just curious about communication preferences for different, those different audiences you're customers, clients versus listeners. Yeah. So with clients, I do work, I work actually all online right now. I coached in person for six or seven years, uh, switched to online work in 2018. And so yeah, I use Zoom and uh, various apps <laughs> to communicate. And then the voicemail idea that I'm going to put in the category, I'm glad you brought it up. That's one of the like ambitious things I wanted to explore that just felt like it was going to require a lot of energy on my part. Um, so there's one episode, I wish I remembered the number off the top of my head. Maybe you do. There's one episode where I bring in two listener voicemails. I think it's like 11. It's right in the middle. Maybe 11. I, I didn't say it. If it's wrong, I didn't say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> full Full transparency. People are not just like recording voicemails, breaking down my door, trying to get on Nothing Makes Perfect. What happened in that episode is people organically reached out with questions. And I said to them, hey, I'd really love to hear this like in your own words, in your own voice. Would you want to record that? And mm. then they recorded them with their actual voices. The voicemail idea, 
I think, <laughs> I think can be powerful. It can invite more voices into the conversation without needing someone to be comfortable, like doing what we're doing right now, you know, sitting down with a record button on in front yeah, of a this, microphone. This wigs people out. Some people yeah, do not can react be, well to being recorded. <laughs> yeah, it can be intimidating. But so many people have interesting ideas and different practices, right? Everyone has mm. something to say. So again, if I can create episodes around specific ideas, then I can invite people to use any form of communication they're comfortable with, right? The key is their comfort. So they can send me a DM by text. They can leave a voicemail. They can sit down on a recorded call like we're doing. And then I can piece that all together. So that is an idea, but I wouldn't say that it has, it already has been successful. Like that's a future idea. Hmm. What other, so there's a thing that I just fell over on my way to try to ask a question. (laughs) What other things are, are coming up for you? Like liminal spaces around podcasting or around coaching modalities or climbing. We haven't talked about that yet. Yeah. So in coaching, um, I call my coaching offering Colab, which I uh, ironically and perfectly came up with in collaboration with a client. <laughs> um, I'm we so mad at Colab. <laughs> and it really is my aim at the balance of like, there are things that a coach knows that a client doesn't know. And there are things that a client knows that a coach doesn't know. And that will always be true. How can we work with that best? So in my uh, friend and sometimes collaborators, uh, collaborator John's words, you are the expert on you or, he, you know, some more eloquent version of that. Right. <laughs> so, so I try to take Slaughtered that <laughs> idea seriously. And the a, a challenge of that is, right, different people are different. So different people communicate differently and have mm-hmm. different comfort with different apps and all kinds of things. So I've tried to create a structure where it's easy to come into. So like getting on a Zoom call and talking, I take care of all the logistics of like making sure that your program works for you on your computer or phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I've made an easy enough thing to come into, but then I'm also I also want to be open to like what really works for this client. So I'm maybe pulling back the curtain like a bit too much here, but there's the basic structure, like 80% of the stuff is all going to work the same in terms of how we communicate and and how I help a client. And then there's room for that, like 20%, maybe 10%, 15 I don't know what the percentage is, where, you know, I'm experimenting right now with um, someone who really likes taking notes on paper and like scanning pictures of her actual handwritten notes so that we can share them easily. Mm-hmm. Or someone else who's really <clears throat> short on time. He's a lawyer. Um, he's, you know, a partner in a law firm and we're experimenting with different ways to get communication, like so zippy fast that he doesn't have to do anything on top of what's actually helpful. And like, we keep drilling down on more and more like, okay, how few words, (laughs) how quickly can we get this across? And, you know, it translates into the movement and the training side. So I don't actually know if that's what you were getting at, but that's what I heard when you talked about, uh, the liminal spaces. Hmm. It's perfect. Mm, so many, so many threads. What what is it about? Um, what is it about that uh, 
winnowing or like narrowing of focus, that's always so difficult, right? Because every time I you know, decide, like cut off, every time I decide something, then the creativity like squirts out the other way. Like mm -hmm. I get three new ideas go over here. And do you feel like having the way that you coach, you're coaching one-on-one -on -one as opposed to like in a group class. Do you feel like coaching one-on-one -on -one is, is maybe a way to like, well, they're all so different that I actually get to do this crazy mishmash of things that that's maybe what makes it possible. Like if you just had one, it would be, it would be bonkers. If you had 10 people and they were all the same, it would be impossible to do. I'm just wondering about that. There's a lot of complexity in there about tailoring messages and delivering message. And yeah, yeah, the 80%, that's the easy part for me, the, the details of the thing. Yeah, I think <clears throat> zooming in and zooming out is like we're we're all constantly doing that in everything that we do and having some awareness of like when to zoom in and when to <laughs> zoom out is helpful. Um I have a feeling that we have different relative like interests and strengths and curiosities around that. So I don't know I don't actually know, but I I would assume that I'm better at some elements of zooming in or out and worse at others. Hadn't thought about that before. Um but one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I did group coaching in kind of like fitness classes you might picture with uh 10 to 15 people in a room working out together. Um I found in-person group coaching to be more performative. It was more about presenting as a coach mm -hmm. and importantly about creating the environment for the people to come into, which is uh, not to be understated. And then one-on-one -on -one coaching and especially one-on-one -on -one online coaching, it's so much more about the person and not just the person who walks into a gym, but like the actual person. So I started online coaching with people I had been working with in person and like this one client mm. jumps so strongly to mind. It was 2018. We had been working in person for maybe 12 to 18 months. And I started transitioning online. And he had been coming into the gym and we would do our workout and then he would leave the gym. And he brought in with him all of his notions around what a gym is, what you do there, what he can be like there. And then he would walk out and go back to his real life. Mm. When we started working online, we started doing calls like in his living room, right? And immediately it's totally different. It's way more personal. It's more, I would call it like sincere. Like he kind of just drops all of these preconceived notions around like, what are we allowed to talk about? How do we talk about them? What problems do we try to solve? And so I personally really enjoy that. I'm, you know, obsessed with conversation introverted love to listen right it, it suits me to to hear a client really grapple with what's actually meaningful to them as opposed to hey we're all here for an hour i'm going to create a fun productive experience for everyone no matter how you're coming mm -hmm. in it's it's not that there's something wrong with that setting it's that i'm not as suited to it i don't think i'm as good at creating that like high energy, exciting um, hour, no matter who the people are, I'm better at connecting with the person. I'm wondering about, there's questions here around if people listening who are really passionate about movement 
if you're not, why are you listening to this show? <laughs> if you're, if they're that sort of person, almost every one of those people has always had this idea, like maybe I should start coaching. And I'm going to say the path that I've certainly seen the most, if not exclusively, is I should figure out a gym or a gymnastics academy or a dance school. They try to, uh, the first thing we think of is, I wonder if I can go to that place that you were just describing. And then it's people are already doing the thing. This is where the thing happens. This is how the thing happens. And all I have to do is play the role of this piece of the thing. Um, and now I'm suddenly thinking maybe we should be encouraging like you, literally me, literally everybody in general, we should be encouraging people to like, no, no, do the harder thing which is find one person to coach and somehow talk them into joining you. Um, you could probably do it in person too, like with in-person one-on-one coaching, but you have a, a wider uh, space that you can pull from if you're going to do it virtually. But I'm just wondering, have you ever thought about like, okay, now let's, let's talk about coaching coaches to coach. Mm -hmm. Like, have you thought about that? And what are your thoughts on how I'm thinking? Maybe people should start with the really hard thing, which is just do one yeah, I do mentor some coaches in coaching, and one of my proudest accomplishments in that arena is actually helping multiple people decide that they don't want to be coaches. So I've had multiple people <laughs> come important. in. Also important, yes. Yeah, we work on coaching principles and ideas and uh, how to get started and all that, and realize that it's <laughs> it's not the path that they maybe first thought it was, and get excited about something else. And I'm mm. like, great, my work here is done. <laughs> Sounds horrible. <laughs> but but really, like, I think it's shockingly easy to lose sight of what coaching is. And the classic example is someone who loves exercising and is like, great, I'm going to go into professional exercising. And it's like, well, coaching is talking, listening, programming. You know, it depends on the arena in which you do it, but it's not exercising right? <laughs> That's yeah. a different vocation. So I think taking seriously what you're actually trying to do, like if you want to be a coach, it should probably have to do with some sort of skill or interest you have in the actual practice of coaching and not just the content of what you are coaching. So take that to any arena, right? Like coaching executives in a business setting you can't just be interested in business. You need to be interested in coaching people, right? And that is a specific skill set. So again, like it probably sounds obvious when I say it out loud, but I think a lot of people overlook that. Um, and then the second piece is, I do think it makes sense. Like if you're connected to a gymnastics gym, if you've done gymnastics your whole life and you know the people who own the gym and you can get an opportunity there, I do think that is a great path. But also, I think what you're getting at is like, everyone knows someone, right? I've coached my parents. I've coached friends casually, right? Before I ever started coaching, I was like really excited about this new squat technique. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, hey, let me show you this thing. And they were like, this makes no sense. And I was like, cool, let me go get better at the skill of coaching for the next decade. And I'll come back to you, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, if you know people, they probably could use, you know, they could probably use better ideas or a little support or maybe some guidance and it doesn't need to be in a structured setting. Hmm. Terrific. One of those, every once in a while I'm like, well, am I glad I asked because I, I, I yes, 
Yes, please. More of that. But I also <laughs> think it's good just to even you, you and I were in violent agreement here. I think, yeah, but it's good for people to hear. Um, people who know you be like, oh, okay, well, if Jeremy thinks that, then maybe I'll go try that. Which make the, world I love the idea of violent agreement. Tell me, tell me more. I think about violent agreement. That's when it's like, oh my God, it's sunny. Really? Oh yes, it's totally sunny. It's like, we're, we're like, we can't stop talking about the thing, but we're not actually mm-hmm. going anywhere. It's not really an argument or a discussion. Mm-hmm. We're just like in violent agreement. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it happens. It's, it's funny when you see it. Um, anyway, um, I guess I will just say, and of course the final question, three words to describe your practice. Let's practice anyway, as in nothing makes perfect. Let's practice anyway. Delightful. I love it. Well, Jeremy, it was a pleasure to get a chance to finally sit down, stand up, chat. Um, So glad that we stuck with it. And I wish you the best of luck in 2024. Um, I look forward to seeing what you possibly create as a podcast. And I wish you the best of luck with your coaching. Thanks. Thank you. And thanks to anyone who decided to listen.